Welcome to the sermon podcast of Christian author and speaker, Troy Black. We're praying that as you listen, God will reveal his love, grace, and truth to you in a deeper way. After listening, don't forget to connect with Troy on YouTube and Facebook. May this message from Troy inspire you in your walk with Christ. Hey y'all, this is Troy Black. So I want to talk about three spiritual fights that you might be in. Okay, so me and my wife, Leslie, we love to go to the gym and work out. And one of the things that we like to do is uh, we go to this class called combat training. You've got a, a like a leader up front and he's throwing punches left and right and you're doing everything that he's doing. You're trying to follow along. Some days I feel like I'm good at it, some days not so good. Every once in a while they'll switch up the tracks and we'll do different types of moves and stuff and there'll be music playing so it's a lot of fun, it's a good workout. It's kind of like you're simulating a fight a little bit. It's not real fighting or anything like that. But they do, the, they do this move where you it looks like you're holding somebody down so you've got one hand down on the ground and then you're just like punching down. It's probably one of the more violent moves that we do in that class. Anyways, and I remember the uh, uh, it was probably the second time that we did that move. Suddenly, the the person who's up front uh, teaching the class says, I know everyone in here has someone they want to hit. And I'm like, and as soon as I hear that, I look around the room and, you know, everyone's kind of like punching, like, uh, and then suddenly the intensity level just goes up like insane as soon as he says that. And I'm just like, I'm like, whoa, okay, I feel a little nervous right now. Like, I do not want to make anyone in this room mad. Anyways, so that's a funny story, and uh, it was kind of a little bit of a shock to me uh, when it first happened. Um, but, But afterwards, I walked out of that class, and I started thinking, is there somebody in my life that I want to hit, you know, that I would want to hit, you know, or, or that I'm, I'm holding resentment toward or, or anger toward? And it actually, uh, that experience actually... Uh, got me to think about the idea for for this video. So today I want to share with you three spiritual fights that you might be in. And I want to tell you this beforehand just so that you're aware, but the first two, so I, you know, I like to do three points in my videos sometimes. And the first two, these are spiritual fights that have a negative consequence. So the first two are not good. The third one is good. The third one has a positive result. Okay. So the first, number one, the first spiritual fight you might be in is a fight with someone else, a fight with others. And and when I'm personally thinking about this myself, there, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of a lot of times in my life where I've carried around uh, a desire to get even with someone else, either in my heart or in my mind, I've carried around this offense or this unforgiveness towards someone else. And at the time, especially when, uh, you know, before I knew Jesus and, and when I was just thinking and living the way I wanted to, I had no idea that I was actually in a spiritual fight. I thought this is just something that's not affecting anybody else. It's not really affecting them. It's not really affecting me. But later on, uh, as I started to get into God's word, I started learning that it was affecting me and it was actually affecting me spiritually in a way that I, I, at the time I didn't understand. So uh, when uh, me and my wife, Leslie, have been married for almost seven years now, um, which is is awesome. I love Leslie. She is like the highlight of my life. and then after that, my kids, obviously. But if I think about the times when me and my wife have, have gotten into fights, you know, arguments uh, in, during our marriage, I'm reminded of one time, which is funny now at the time, obviously not funny, but it's the biggest fight. I can say this honestly, probably the biggest fight that we've had our whole marriage. Uh, and it was, 
it started with me while she was gone uh i got out i had this this small collection of lord of the rings action figures and i got them out and i stuck them up on our mantle uh in our new apartment that we had just moved into we didn't have anything on the mantle yet it's this clean nice clean mantle and i'm like what do we need to what can we put up there so i get these action figures out uh and i put them up on this mantelpiece and i'm thinking this is gonna be great leslie's gonna get home she's gonna go wow that looks awesome you know, I don't know why I was thinking that. Uh, that was a pretty dumb thought to have. Anyways, so she gets home. She doesn't like them. And, and you know, I, I, we, we get into this argument and we have this long argument that started with me putting these action figures on this mantelpiece. And at the time, it felt like, well, you know, we're arguing over something really stupid, right? But looking back, I was able to see how even though we're arguing over something kind of silly, kind of stupid, that's really not why we were arguing. That's really not why we were mad at each other. And in fact, what was really going on was it wasn't the action figures that we were fighting about. It was actually, the reason we were fighting is because of the pride that was in, I mean, when I look at myself, I can see that there was pride in my heart. And I can say that because I can see how, even though it was a silly thing to get upset about, I had taken on an offense. I had said, nope, I'm right, she's wrong. And I had taken on this offense toward her and I was not willing to budge. You know, I was not willing to move. Uh, and if you've ever seen, gone into like a theater and seen like a, you know, actors and actresses on stage delivering lines, um, uh, me and my wife, Leslie, we actually acted together in theater uh, when we were in high school. Um, so we both have some experience in that arena. I um, mean, one of the worst things that can happen when you're on stage is to forget your lines, right? Like you're up there in front of this audience and you're like, I don't know what to say, right? I don't know where I'm going. And then sometimes, very rarely, but sometimes in the non-professional acting world, um, people actually offstage actually have to feed lines to the actor who's on stage. So like you're standing there, you're like, I don't know what to say. And someone's whispering from the curtain like, you're supposed to say this, you know, giving you the line to say. And so they're feeding you lines in the same way that, that you know, an actor or an actress might need their lines fed to them. When we are uh, reacting emotionally to something, the same way me and my wife reacted to those action figures on the mantle, when we're acting emotionally to something, we, we're in this place where we are, uh, we've got this vulnerability and this willingness to be fed lines. And depending on what we've been feeding, whether our flesh or our spirit, you know, the Bible talks a lot about the difference between your spirit and your flesh. Depending on what we've been feeding, we're going to be fed lines by either our flesh or by our spirit. And so in that moment, I was in a sense, being fed lines by my flesh and not by my spirit. So one verse that kind of dives into this is Ephesians 4, 21 through 24. And it says, If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of, de of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Okay, so one thing I wanna pull out of this verse is the phrase where it says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self. And um, one, one huge truth out of the New Testament, if you go read any of Paul's writings, is that we have this fleshly nature that's at war with our spiritual nature. And our spiritual nature is actually the nature of Christ. That's another way that the Bible describes it. And so when we meet Jesus, when we first believe in him, the Bible actually says that our spirits, which were dead because of sin, are actually made alive in Christ. Have you ever heard someone use the phrase, I feel like a whole new me, you know, or, or a phrase, something like that? That's what happens when we meet Jesus for the first time. We actually, you know, it says, 
put on the new self. We become a new version of ourself that is actually being made into an image of Christ. We, we were moving away from him, you know, daily in the things that we did, the things that we thought about. But as soon as we meet him, God's hope for us and his desire for us is for us to actually be more and more like Christ every single day. So I, I'm uh, reminded of a story of my daughter Mirabelle uh, when she was really young, you know, just a couple years old. And actually, I think from her birth, she had this blanket that uh, her aunt Julie made for her, like knitted for her, I think, or crocheted. I don't know what the difference is, but, you know, one of those things. So she made this blanket and she gave it to Mirabelle and it's this pretty pink blanket. And she loved it so much. She loved it to death. Like she took that thing everywhere. She always carried it with her. She always took it to bed. And in fact, she loved it so much that she, she would start biting it. You know how little kids like to chew on things sometimes? She would bite this blanket like, and she didn't realize it, but she was destroying it. And so eventually it got to the point where this thing was like just rags and it was like little pieces of yarn sticking everywhere. It was just a ball of yarn basically. And it was so gross and so nasty and it was so torn up we couldn't even wash it anymore. So the reason I'm telling you about this is because that blanket that she had, you know, that it was in a sense like our old nature. It's this thing that we feel comfortable with, you know, like we might, we might enjoy aspects of it or we might think we need it. And yet at the same time, it's just, we can't see the reality of what it is. It's old, beat up, torn up, gross, dirty thing that can't be washed. And so eventually we had to say, okay, Mirabelle, we're going to throw this thing away. And so we threw it away and we got her this new pink, beautiful blanket. Um, it, this one was store-bought, unfortunately not handmade. At first she was like okay with it and then we could tell she was a little sad, you know, a little shaken. The week after that, my wife Leslie, she lost her phone uh, and we, we searched the whole house. We couldn't find it and we don't know if this was actually something Mirabelle did or not, but it was a possibility. So we finally talked to Mirabelle about it and we said, Mirabelle, do you know what happened to mommy's phone? And she's like sitting there for a long time and then quietly she says, I threw it away. And we're like, you threw away mommy's phone? Why did you throw away her phone? And then she, she looks at us and she's like, because mommy threw away my Nana. And Nana was the word that she used for her blanket. And so in that moment, we we're like, oh my gosh, what kind of child are we raising here? But the, but the, the reason I'm, I'm telling that story is, is just so you can see the difference between this old nature, what, what's representing the old nature and the new nature. So the same way that Mirabelle, um, she, she didn't know what was best for her because you know me and, and Leslie, we looked at that old blanket and we thought we can't wash it anymore. It could start to rot. It could grow mold or these pieces could break off into her mouth or, you know, and she could swallow them or whatever it might be. It's not good for her anymore. And so we knew that this nice new blanket would be the best option for her. And God looks at his children the same way. He looks at the offenses that we're holding on to and he's, and the old nature that we're listening to. And he says, that is not the best thing for you. He, he's not discounting the fact that, you know, something really did hurt us. Like somebody might have really hurt us. He's not discounting that. But what he's saying is that because we're living in God's grace now, we actually don't have a right to hold on to that offense. And I'm going to show you that in scripture. It says it's Romans 6, 18. It says, and having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. So what this means is that grace, yeah, even though it forgives us of our sin, it doesn't give, an, give us an excuse to hold on to our rights when it comes to uh, our relationship with other people. It actually, because Jesus was willing to give up his rights um, as a human being in order to free us from sin, he's expecting us to give up our rights in order to free others 
from that offense, from that unforgiveness. And I'm not saying that we're not gonna make mistakes. Even as believers, we're all still gonna make mistakes. At some point, we're gonna find that there's an offense in our heart or unforgiveness in our heart. But when that happens, there's still grace available for us today. Like when that happens, my encouragement to you is to go right back to God and say, God, I have been holding onto these things and I'm gonna let them go and I need your grace right now. But what we don't have the opportunity to do is we don't have the opportunity to live like holding on to those things is okay. It's not okay. So before I move on to the next point, I actually want to give you two quick ways that unforgiveness affects us spiritually. So this is where the spiritual aspect of this fight comes in. And the first way is that unforgiveness actually opens up the door to the devil. So I'm going to show you this in Ephesians 4, 25 to 27. It says, therefore, laying aside falsehoods, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. So anger is okay. And sometimes when someone you know does something to us, we're initially gonna get angry about it. But, but what the scripture is saying here is when we hold on to that anger and we don't let it go, and when, when we say, you know what, we, we go day by day by day holding on to it and allowing it to turn into a greater offense in our hearts and even into bitterness, what we're doing is we're opening up the door to the enemy and we're actually giving him a position to be a, a, a spiritual right to be able to attack us in that area of our lives. One way of saying this is when we choose to wage war against others in our minds, we're actually waging war against ourselves in the spiritual realm. This is Troy Black. I pray the Lord is speaking to you through this podcast. We'll get back to the message in a second, but I want to take a minute to tell you about how you can support this ministry. I'm able to create videos, books, podcasts, and other materials because of faithful supporters who value my content and who want to help me share the gospel with as many people as possible. All I ask is that you would pray about becoming a part of the work we're doing. Learn more by going to TroyBlackVideos.com. I hope you're blessed as you continue listening. So the second way that unforgiveness affects us spiritually is it actually restricts the flow of God's blessings in our lives. Um, Jesus talks about in Matthew 6, 15, and in another uh, place in the, in the Gospels, Jesus talks about how if we're not willing to forgive our brother or sister in Christ, you know, if we're not willing to forgive someone else, God is not going to forgive us of our sins. And there's a lot of dispute around that verse. You know, some people will use it to say, oh, if you have unforgiveness, then you're not really saved, you know, or something like that. I don't believe that's true because I don't believe that that lines up with the rest of Scripture. But if you if you look at the whole of Scripture together in, and you look at that verse, what I personally believe it's saying is the, the benefits of God's grace that we receive because God has forgiven us, we're going to be restricting those and we're not going to be receiving uh, the benefits of, of God's forgiveness like we would if we were actually forgiving someone else. So when we're holding on to unforgiveness, God is still holding out his hand to us. He's saying, here you go. Here are the blessings of being uh, a believer in Jesus Christ. And yet we're holding our hand back and we're saying, no, thanks. Like, like I don't need that right now. Instead, I need this unforgiveness in my heart. But when we choose to let go, then we are, we're releasing that offense. We're actually opening up ourselves to a spiritual blessing instead. So what is the antidote? How do we actually let go of that uh, unforgiveness or that offense? Or how do we get rid of it? Here is Colossians 3, 2 through 3. It says, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. 
And then Colossians 3, 12 through 13 says, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. So what this is saying is if we want to learn how to to forgive people and to live with this heart of compassion and kindness, we need to be looking back at the cross. We need to be allowing ourselves to be reminded of not only how much God has forgiven us of through Jesus, but also how undeserving we were when Jesus chose to die for us. And when, when we keep looking back at that and, being, and we're continuously reminded of what He's done for us and how much He loves us, it's going to make it that much easier for us to let go and to forgive as well. So the second spiritual fight that you might be in is a spiritual fight with yourself. So there have been times in my life where because of either uh, sin issues I'm dealing with or because of maybe failures I've made, mistakes I've made, um, or even flaws, you know, things I look at myself I don't like, uh, there have been times where I get into this rut of self-pity or self-hatred or even self-condemnation. And I truly believe that one reason that we beat ourselves down, you know, in our minds is because sometimes we'll look at a problem, whether it's a sin issue or not, or something else, you know, we'll look at something that we feel like is a problem with us, you know, or, or something that we've done even to hurt somebody else or a mistake we've made. And we, we tell ourselves, if I think about this long enough, you know, I can figure this out. I can fix myself, you know, or, or I can figure out a solution to this. And sometimes it's okay for us to, you know, self-examine and, and to try to improve ourselves in an area or something like that. But when it comes to a sin issue, um, when we look it into our mind to find the solution to it, what's going to happen is one of two things. We're e either going to overlook sin eventually, um, you know, to try to get out of something, or we're going to over-dramatize it. So sin, you need to understand that sin has a severe cost. It's very weighty, but you also need to understand that Jesus paid the full cost for your sin. He paid all of it. When we go to our minds to fix either a sin issue or even a flaw or something we don't like about ourselves, when we try to do that ourselves, we're putting this weight on ourselves that Jesus already carried. So I'm going to show you a verse that talks about this. It's Hebrews 12, 7 and verse 11. It says, it is for discipline that you endure, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? And then verse 11 says, All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So this verse is dealing a lot with the sin issue. It's talking about you know spiritual discipline. Um, and I love that the Holy Spirit is gentle and God disciplines us as a loving father, you know, not as uh, an angry father, not as a hateful father, but as someone who really has the best in mind for their children. And I know this verse talk is talking about sons a lot, you know, but but it's, it's talking about sons and daughters. This, this is not, you know, gender specific. It's talking about anyone who comes into the kingdom of God is it, God sees them as his child. And what's amazing about this concept is uh, when the creator of the universe is looking at you as his child, it puts you in a completely, completely different place than you used to be. And that, that is concerning sin issues. And it's also concerning things about our, you know, ourselves that we don't like, things that would cause us maybe to have self-pity or something like that. You need to, anytime you get into that rut, you need to remember that God, the, the all-powerful creator of the universe, 
ever before you made your first mistake, ever before you did something that you know maybe you didn't like, or ever before you sinned for the first time, God looked at you and he saw everything you were going to do with your entire life, and yet he still had already made a way for you to come into his family. He still looked at you and said, yep, everything, every mistake they ever make, the way that they're going to be, maybe their whole life, whatever it is, I still want them in my family. I still want them to come in. I still want them to be my child. So me and my wife, Leslie, have three young daughters. And, and anytime one of my daughters, uh, if I can tell that it seems like they're dwelling in this place of maybe self-pity or something or feeling bad about, you know, maybe not measuring up or maybe not being good enough at something, whatever it might be, or maybe even a mistake they made, I'm always going to go to them and, and remind them of how much I love them because I know that, you know, if, if I just leave them in that place by themselves, they might get out of it, they might snap out of it, you know, or they might not, I don't know. But I know that my love can always come in and help them when they're in that place. I can always come in and say, you know what? Sure, you're not good at this yet, you know, or whatever. Like, I might not tell them they're not good at something, but you know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm always gonna come in and be that reassuring uh, voice in their life. I'm always gonna say, I still love you, or this doesn't matter, or, you know, you can, let's try again and you can do it again. Whatever it might be, I'm going to be there to support them. I'm going to be there to tell them how I really see them so that they can uh, see themselves in a better light. And what's amazing is God, you know, I'm not a perfect parent, but God is, and he does the same thing for us. He does it in a much better way. So I'm going to give you three ways that God sees believers. The first one is, and I've already talked about this, God sees believers as his children. John 1:12 says, but as many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. The second way that God sees believers is actually as his friends. So John 15, 15 says, No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. And the third way that God sees believers, and, and this is really amazing, I think, God sees believers as his dwelling place. Or another way of saying that is God sees the believer, you and me, as his home, as where he wants to hang out. And, and I'm going to show you this in 1 Corinthians 3, 16 through 17. It says, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy and that is what you are. The same way that when we accepted the grace of God, we lost the right to, to hate others or to hold unforgiveness against others. When you and I accepted God's grace, we actually lost the right to hate ourselves. And I know me just saying that is not necessarily going to fix the issue right away. But if you know that you've been in a place where you're dwelling in maybe self-pity or self-hatred or even uh, some self-condemnation, my encouragement to you is to go into God's Word and find out what God thinks about you. Find out what his word has to say about you as a believer. I think you'll be surprised, and I know uh, that it really will help. So the third spiritual fight that you might be in is a fight with Satan. You might be in a spiritual fight with the devil. And actually, the first two, uh, when we're in a spiritual fight with others or a spiritual fight with ourselves, those two have negative consequences. This third one actually has positive consequences. There's a, there's a good result of this one. So this is, the, this is who we should be fighting. If you want to fight anybody, fight the devil. So I'm almost done, but I'm going to give you three quick ways that you can attack the devil today. And the first way is to replace the devil's lies with the truth. 
So if you want to deal a blow to the enemy, here's one way you can do it. Get into God's word and allow God's word to get into your heart. The more that God's word gets into here, the more that the devil's lies, you know, his lies are like the fiery darts that the Bible talks about, you know, that he's shooting into our lives. The more that we allow the word of God to build up our faith, Uh, And the more that we are positioning ourselves in a place where whatever God says, that's what we're going to do. That's the way we're going to live our lives. The more that the devil's lies are not going to be able to do a thing to us. So that's the first way. The second way that we can begin to fight the devil today is to take a step of faith. So I encourage you after this video to go pray and ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, is there something that you want me to do based on what I've heard today out of God's word? Is there something that you want me to do? Uh, a step of faith you want me to take. And and if he gives you something, or maybe you're reading the word and you feel like God is giving you something, do it. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Take a step of faith today. So the third way that we can attack the devil in this spiritual fight is by letting go of an offense. And this is, this is what I was talking about a lot earlier. If God has brought up some sort of memory of an offense or unforgiveness, or he's, he's pointed a person out to you today, and you know you need to forgive, today is the day. Freedom is not found. We're not going to find freedom by holding on to those things, to the things that hurts of the past. We're going to find freedom by letting those things go, by looking at Jesus on the cross. You know, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was having to forgive in that moment the very people that were murdering him, the very people that that had put him up there. He was saying, Father, forgive them. The more that we look at the love of Christ, the, the love of God that he poured out on the cross, the more that we're going to be able to extend that same love to others and because of that the more freedom we're going to find so i really hope you all enjoyed this video share it with someone that needs it and then i love you all so much and i'll see you next time you can connect with troy black on youtube or facebook for more content from troy black or to find out how you can support this ministry visit troyblackvideos.com